Welcome back to another episode of the Geek Roundtable. This is episode number 52. I am your host, Kenny, and joining me for today's roundtable are my good friends, Brian, Jenny, Joe, and later on in the podcast, Haley will be joining us. For today's roundtable topic, we're going to be discussing Star Wars Visions. Initially, I had planned to include all nine episodes, but as I was editing this podcast together, it came out to be extremely long, over two hours, and I would prefer to split it into two. So for this episode, we'll be discussing Star Wars Visions, episodes one through five. And I just want to say that we did have some audio issues, but hopefully it's not too distracting and you can still enjoy the discussion. All right, let's jump on in and take a listen to our roundtable discussion on Star Wars Visions, episode one through five. All right, it's time for another Geek Roundtable. Today we're going to be discussing Star Wars Visions, and I have my A-team here. I have Brian. Hello, Kenny. Joe. I ain't getting on no plane, Hannibal. Sorry, <laughs> that's from the A-team. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and Jenny. Hi. Oh, and as I mentioned, we're going to be doing Star Wars Visions. Star Wars Visions is a collection of animated short films presented through the lens of the worlds of the best anime creators that offer a new, diverse perspective on Star Wars. Created outside the constraints of the franchise's traditional canon, the films provide creative freedom to each director and production studio while maintaining fidelity to the themes and emotional identity of the Star Wars saga. So... I know I gave you guys uh, uh, some uh, preview questions, but I'm going to throw that out the window because I decided we're just going to talk episode by episode. No, so. my homework. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we may ask questions, you know, at the yeah. end, overall questions. But for now, uh, so I'll start us off. So we had, it was nine episode series. I don't know if they're making a season two. I don't know if this is... It, I'm assuming they will because this was fairly successful and everyone seemed to like it. First of all, are you guys anime fans? I am not an anime fan. I watch very little anime. Yes, so, sir. Joe, you are definitely oh, yeah. an anime fan? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love anime. I love watching it. I love working on it. Anime is just amazing. Just dig it. Yeah. Brian, do you watch and I'm anime? a hit or miss. Yeah, okay. I'm hit or miss when it comes to anime. There are some styles that just really do it for me. Again, it's all about the story, but some styles I just cannot turn off and other styles I cannot watch. So yeah. Yeah. Jenny. Yeah. Probably I'm more similar to Brian. Um, Although there were some anime series when I was younger that I watched with friends that I really, really enjoy. I know Ranma one half was one. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, And I've read, I've read some manga. So yeah. So that's about. Yeah. Yeah, Where I was never, never a big goes. fan of anime. I watched Robotech when I was younger as a kid. And yes! They ki- but they, they killed a, a pregnant woman, and I was like nine or ten, and I was Oh, my God! Oh my <laughs> I was there I, with you. Oh, wow! I, I swear I would never watch, and that's really, it did turn me off, but now I have a friend, Brian, who's huge into anime, yeah. and so I've I've seen a lot more of it now, and I, <laughs> I, I enjoy it now, so... But I definitely am not. I'm a I'm a novice when it comes to anime. So I'm glad Joe's more of the expert to say. So <laughs> he can he can let us know the styles and you know because I'm sure you're familiar with the companies as well. There's some there's some pressure. I am actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> good good good. We have our expert. All right. So I'm gonna start us off with the first episode. It was called The Duel. It was created by Kamikaze Duka. Uh, it's set in an alternate history, 20 years after the war between. 
the Fidel Jedi Empire and a renegade Jedi sect called the Sith. A lone wanderer known only as Ronin witnessed a legion of former stormtroopers attempt to besiege a small village. The Ronin fights the leader of the bandits, a self-declared Dark Lord of the Sith, armed with a heavily modified lightsaber while his android saves the villagers. The Ronin, a former actual Sith, lures the bandit leader into a trap and kills her. The Ronin, shown to be collecting red kyber crystals from each Sith he killed, decides to give the leader's crystal to the villagers, citing that it will ward off evil. So, first of all, let's just talk about overall thoughts. I really enjoyed it. I love the style of it. Mm -hmm. It was different. It was nothing like I expected because I'd never seen any kind of anime like this. I enjoyed the story. But I think it was a really good way to start the series off. It really, exactly. it, it really drew you in. But also, I thought, because I know a lot of people love this episode. And then you get the next episode after, and the next episode after that, and they're not. I enjoyed them. I mean, I, I, you know, when we get to them, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. just tell you which one's my favorite. But I think they start off really strong. They might have started off a little too strong. And then people were comparing, you know, it to always the first episode. Oh, sure. Yeah. What was interesting is I really made a mental effort not to do that oh, and to good. go into it saying like with the mindset that like these are separate stories and that mm -hmm. like I should give each one like I probably could have and I mean this might be a larger discussion but like I probably could have watched them in a diff any any order and yeah hopefully wouldn't have ended up doing that yeah yeah but now what are your guys' first thoughts on the duel I agree with you completely Kenny I think that for starting off something that is non-canon, you know, outside of what we've seen in a media we haven't seen, or medium we haven't seen, the duel hit it on all cylinders. I, I like the uh, the style of the animation. I think it it, it had some, um, it appeared to be like rotoscoped at times, you know, where yeah. they filmed the person and then drew it. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. And then the story itself reminded me a lot of the Magnificent Seven or one of those uh, old mm. West. I, I don't think they could have done that one any better. Yeah. I, I got to stop there. <laughs> and that's, well, yeah. that's kind of the beautiful thing about this episode because, you know, George Lucas borrowed from like Far East culture <laughs> to give us Star Wars. And so it was really cool to see them take it back, you know, and like kind of now let's take Star Wars and give it that the, the Far East mentality, the, the approach. And yeah. this episode is the perfect mission statement for what it is you're about to engage in in this mm. entire series of visions. Yeah. It is, like you said, Kenny, it is super strong, maybe stronger than it needed to be to start things off. But what a great way to kind of dip your toe into it. Like, it's the best, like, if you, you watch this thing and it's almost like they're saying, like, if you enjoy this, chances are you're going to enjoy this entire ride. Yeah. If you don't like this episode, though don't worry about watching the rest because yeah. mm -hmm. chances are you won't like them. They needed the hook and they got it mm -hmm. with this episode. They needed yeah. to draw people in, you know, and I think it worked. Now, just a really quick question. Did you watch it in the original language or did you watch it with English? Oh, in English? I, I didn't even English. know that that was an option. Yeah. I, it, went I probably should have. Yeah. I probably should have done that. I enjoy, I much more enjoy to watch things in the original way they were recorded i mm -hmm. don't i wasn't aware that because yeah. i just went to disney plus and yeah and plus the default is english the default usual. was english most yeah. anime mm -hmm. is defaults to whatever the natural you know korean japanese right. yeah and then you have to change it to english or english yes. subtitles i watch it in english because i prefer that especially when i'm watching something new i want to visually enjoy it and if i'm sitting That's there reading point. subtitles 
which I get distracted and that's all my eye will go to are subtitles and I'm trying to read them yeah. and I'm missing everything that's happening. So I enjoyed watching it and I went back and watched it all again in the original language. It is much more enjoyable in that language when you already know what's going on. Kenny, as a guy who does the English dubs for anime, I love people <laughs> like you that listen to us and listen to our work. But I agree with you entirely. Yeah. I agree with yeah. what you and Jenny are saying, you know, mm-hmm. watching something in the original language that it's intended to be. And like, it, there's just, it, and reading the subtitles, you, the story flows so much better. There's always some kind of a weird disconnect when you're reading that or when you're hearing the translated dialogue. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But so I've, I enjoyed both. I would say I enjoyed English because I understood it, obviously. Right. And it was just, I was able to get involved, brought more into the the story than the. But watching it with the original language, it's like whoa! It's some of them are like totally different feels. Wow! Like I'm like, did the did the did they direct them to be a little different than you know the the voice the 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 pitch of their voices? The Japanese is definitely has a certain style, uh, you know, and American interpreting it is a little bit different, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was cool. I enjoyed both for it. And I, like I said, I watched all nine episodes in English and then watched them all in the original. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. Tangentially related, and I'm not going to go on too long about this, but I think I told you, Kenny, like I had come across an edit of the uh, Revenge of the Sith that cut in the last episode of the, the Clone Wars mm-hmm. to kind of tell that complete story of what was going on with Ahsoka along with Revenge of the Sith. And this person that put it together did a Kurosawa cut that like it's wow. in black and white, oh, it's got mm. film grain. They use the Japanese language and then put wow. English subtitles under it. Really? And it is the best way to experience Revenge of the Sith. Wow. I'll have to look for that. That's cool. You, I'll send you the link. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. really cool. That sounds cool. Well, if I can just back up a second to what yeah. Kenny was saying about it, it being an episode that had a hook. It did have a really nice balance of being like, oh, this is going to be its own thing, yet in integrated these classic like Star Wars oh, yeah. elements like yep. the music. And mm-hmm. that one particularly got yep. me. And certain of like the characters mm-hmm. um, yep. where I'm like, yep, okay, this is Star Wars. Yes. Jenny, I was going to agree with you completely yeah. on that. Where there was such a familiarity with the visuals from the, the aliens that we saw. Yep. You know, there were... Like mm-hmm. uh, Bosk, you know, mm-hmm. the bounty hunter yes. style yeah. and robots. And then the other thing that was very familiar was the uh, actual duel on the lawn mm. uh, on the river. I, oh, yeah. I was like, holy cow, this is Revenge of the Sith again. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was yeah. very well done. Yeah, it was nice. It was it was still familiar, but yet different. And that's what I liked yes. about it is that it still had the little element, especially with this episode, because it was it was done in black and white, except for the lights. Mm-hmm. You know, any of the yeah. lightings was all that was all color, but everything else is black and white. Yeah. So it made it it made it very very interesting. It, uh, the other thing, I, I'm yeah. sorry, Kenneth, The other thing yeah. I was going to say about it, and this is what I wrote down in my notes. Back to that um, Japanese style, or or even the uh, like the kung fu episode when the uh, Ronin <laughs> says to the one elder, he says, "I need you to fix this droid mm-hmm. before the pot boils." <laughs> boils. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I found a few behind the scenes here. I thought we'd go over those and we can discuss those real quick. Joe, you have the first one. Sure. The character of the mysterious Ronin and his droid are elaborated upon in Star Wars Ronin, a Visions novel written by Emma Mieko Kanda. 
In this alternate universe, this alternate version rather of the Star Wars universe, Jedi clan swore fealty to rival feudal lords approximately two decades in the past. But one Jedi sect rejected their role as hired goons and sought to forge their own destiny as Sith. The Sith Rebellion collapsed under infighting and betrayal, but some of the rival Sith Lords joined forces to create an empire. In the edge of the Outer Rim, a solitary ex-Sith patrols the borders, accompanied only by his faithful droid and a ghost from a less civilized age. The events of the duel are recounted in the first two chapters of the novel. Very cool. Has anyone That's read the cool. book? No. Yeah, the this is the only one that actually got, uh, you know, a tie-in to it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Probably we're gonna to, we're gonna ha- come back to that because I have thoughts about that. <laughs> but there needs to be more tie-ins, but we'll yeah. I'm, we'll get yeah, to well, it. Yeah, well, we could just yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. it's good to hear that like they did do. I, yeah. I mean, the Star Wars franchise has always been so great about that about their yeah. transmedia elements and their you know the tie-ins and the. And there's so much they can do with these. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll discuss. Uh, that. We'll, we'll get there because yeah, yeah there's, <laughs> there's a couple of them I have strong feelings about. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just great to experience Star Wars because for the longest time I've always, and I've always, I think I said it on here that like, it doesn't always have to be about Skywalkers or people directly related to Skywalkers. So it was so fun to see these stories, especially about this Ronin character that doesn't have any connection to that. It's just Mm -hmm. another, another life, another world, another conflict. And it's so compelling. Yeah. Yeah. The other point that you just kind of touched on that shocked me in this first one is that you're like, Oh, this, this Ronin is going to be, you know, a fallen Jedi yep. who's going to help it out. And then when you see his saber activate, you're like, oh, wow. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So much, so much history they can go into. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Ginny, yeah. I think you have the next uh, behind the scenes here. All right. When the Sith bandit jabs at a waterfall with her red lightsaber, the sound effect is the same as when Darth Maul tested the electro ray barrier that separated him from Qui-Gon in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I'm also nice. pretty sure, I can't remember if it was this one or another one, I definitely heard a Wilhelm scream somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. If yeah. not multiple times. I'm, yeah, I'm <laughs> every episode had one of those things. Um, yeah, that's cool. It's cool that that's the exact same effect that's used mm-hmm. in both. It's interesting. I wonder what resources they were provided with. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously music. Had, yeah, I yeah, think they had yeah. like free reign to whatever they oh, wanted to. Yeah, you know, if Star Wars, it was Disney and Star Wars. Lucasfilms were commissioning these, so it's not like they were doing it on the side. So I'm assuming right. they gave them. You ask for whatever you want. We have it. We can give it to you. So I don't know, but it would make sense. Uh, I, I have a question real yeah. quick, Kenny, on the first episode. I noticed it in every one of the remaining eight, but I don't recall hearing I've got a bad feeling about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Oh, my God, that, that line came yeah. back so many times. So many times. <laughs> I think, so I think seven, seven of the nine episodes actually had. I have okay, yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. the second time I watched this was in the, the original language, so I wouldn't have yeah. been able to tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> There are a couple of things that we can talk about. I was like, I saw a lot of like, oh, that happened oh, like yeah. in a different the way there. Are, and like, like really mm-hmm. heavy in all the episodes. Well, and, like subtle things too, like women cutting their hair. Yeah. Yes. That oh, happened yeah. multiple times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which is very Japanese, you know, that's, yeah, a, that's another for sure. a cultural thing. So I think that's, mm-hmm. yeah. 
All right, Brian, I think you have the next behind the scenes. Yes. Uh, the bits and pieces of Stormtrooper armor worn by the bandits are taken from both Imperial and First Order uniforms. Mm. Yeah, no, a lot of people were pointing out. They're trying to pinpoint where this was. And they're like, wait, but there's regular Stormtroopers and there's mm -hmm. First Order Stormtroopers. So I like the fact that, you know, you got to keep saying it's not canon. It's not canon. You know, this, it's these, alternate universe. It, yes. Sure. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah these, which it seems like every franchise is really into right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Multi-universes. Uh, let's see. The original Star Wars poster can be seen looming over the village plaza when the bandit leader and Ronan what? are dueling. Amazing. Wow, I missed yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Got to go back and check it out. Yep. Rewatch. Okay, it is revealed in Emma Mieko Candon's novel, Ronin, that the story takes place on the Outer Rim world of Genbara. Why does yeah. that sound familiar? <laughs> it sounds I familiar. I thought I've heard know. about that. I think Genbara's in another one of the visions. I think they Probably. mentioned Genbara. Yeah. I don't mm. know. Maybe the village bride? Maybe it was that one. It sounds familiar. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring this to a screeching halt. It just sounds familiar. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> <My bad. laughs> the episode is ruined no. <laughs> all right jenny i think you have the last behind the scenes here yeah an arabesque sign in the background of the marketplace in the duel appears to say jogan man jogan was a popular type of fruit in star wars the clone wars 2008 that's right i like those little uh, easter eggs that they throw mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. very cool all right, let's move on to the second episode. I think Joe has a synopsis for that one. Sure. Tatooine Rhapsody was created by Studio Colorido. During the Clone Wars, a Jedi Padawan named Jay attempts to escape from the war only to stumble upon a hut named G. G offers to take Jay in if he becomes the lead singer of G's rock band, Star Waver, and Jay accepts. Years later, during the reign of the Galactic Empire, the members of Star Waver are hunted by the bounty hunter Boba Fett. Fett eventually captures G and reveals that G's relative Jabba the Hutt wishes to execute him due to G not wanting to be a part of his family's crime syndicate. J inspires the other members of Star Waver to go to Tatooine and attempt to save G. They manage to convince Jabba to let them play one more song together before G's execution. The song is loved by the execution's audience and Jabba ultimately spares G and becomes the band's first sponsor. Um, so there's a lot about this episode that I enjoyed. Uh, uh -huh. Like it's it's like Star Wars's Scott Pilgrim kind of. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I totally got that vibe. Yeah, but I still kind of think this is my least favorite episode of the entire series. Oh, yeah. I I would agree with you, but on future rewatches, it's not as I don't know. It would probably I don't know. That's a good question. I think. Oh, I the last episode to me is my probably my least favorite. We'll get but, there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. I know. But this one definitely, especially after the duel, that's why I was saying the duel was so yeah. epic. And, but, yeah. But, but small, but epic and big and mm -hmm. so different. And then mm -hmm. you get this really kind of cheesy, you know. But again, as Joe would know, I let my friend Brian watch it, and he's like, "That's so anime." That it's so anime. That. It's so anime. That, it is. Yeah. So Absolutely. we keep that in mind. It's that tragically oh, anime. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's yeah. such a wide range of what kind of animated styles there is in anime. Sure. And so, Kenny, this goes back to this is one of the styles of anime that I am not a fan. Of. <laughs> and and I will tell you though, but when you watch the story, I agree with you. This is not my least favorite. So there were some some. Uh, things in it that I actually did like. I did like um, the fact that they had, you know, one of our favorite bounty hunters, Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, they did the, they did have the phrase, you know, I've got a bad feeling about this. Mm-hmm. And then the other detail that they had in there that I thought was really cool was when they had the close-up on Jabba, if you look in the background, some of his dancers that are in his palace were there also. They were yeah. doing the dance that you see in Jeddah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I like the idea that Jabba has a family member who has disappointed him because they don't want to be in the family business. I, I, I find that very delightful. <laughs> that is funny. No, that's cute. I think what my issue was with this episode is like, you give these animators, you give these studios carte blanche, you yeah. give them this sandbox to play in and they've limited themselves to this story is going to be in Tatooine. We're going to have Jabba and Boba <laughs> Fett and all these characters that you remember. And like that, basically I kind of feel like this episode kind of, painted by numbers it kind of phoned it in where it's like Mm. we're gonna get you with the nostalgia we're gonna have you every five seconds go oh hey that's the guy from the movie that i saw that's this other guy that i remember instead of kind of making it their own they could have told the same story but put it on a whole other world and have it be a whole different kind of hut not jabba Mm. and i think it would have played better for me and and i know this is a really specific nitpick uh and and I'm probably in the minority when it comes to this, but I just kind of felt like where they could have expanded and been really creative, they kind of shackled themselves a little bit. Mm. I can, yeah, see, I can that. see that. Yeah, I definitely, uh, there was something just not, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I go back and forth. I have yeah. a hard time really, like, did it feel Star Wars enough for me? But it had, yeah. well, you know, it had Boba Fett and it had Jabba and it had Tatooine, had, you know, the pod racing arena. It had all of the familiar. They recreated stuff. the establish of right. the, the Bunta. Oh Eve yeah, show. oh yeah, that, that was, was cool. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, was it enough? And like you said, of all the stories they did, this is the one they chose to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, maybe you know. I mean, I'm assuming there was some sort of lead executive for all of these, and they wanted different types of stories. Yeah, and sure. The one that they chose for them to do. I feel like this one was someone's idea for the first episode. Like, this is how we ease people into this. And someone else said, no, let's go with this one. Yeah, let's go with this other one. But I also think it was strategic to let you know that tonally, this was going to go all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I yeah. think having the Ronin be the first and this be the second to set up that, to prepare you for yeah. those tonal shifts was a good idea. But yes, it's also probably lower on my list yeah. of sure. the favorite episodes. So Kenny, you listened to this in both the original and the English. Yes. Um, and I did too. And maybe you can help me, but I swear that the song sounded different between the original and the English version. I'm trying to remember. Guys, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I it probably it would because... Well, no, I'm saying like the notes and... and the, right. like the melody was even the different. music itself. Yeah, yeah. the music different, itself. Uh, a different song. And, it, and I could be completely making this up, but I tell you, when I watched it, rewatched it in the native, I liked the song better. <laughs> yeah, I bet. That, might that be song the, was horrible. That it might be, so that's the thing. Yeah, that might be the trick for me with this episode is I thought the songs of the band were not good. So yeah. I was like, ooh. Uh. <laughs> and maybe that's, the, maybe that's the issue is the, the, it didn't translate well because yeah, yes, singing in a, one language, like it, it, there's no way to like dr- directly translate 
a song without it sounding like gibberish. So they must have had to do different songs in the native mm-hmm. language and and the uh, English version. The English That's version. a common yeah. thing, a common practice with anime mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. will have one song and then they kind of have an English version of the song that they'll play like for the end credits or for the opening. Yeah. And almost 100% of the time, the English version it makes zero sense. Um, <laughs> there's a uh, an anime called Gurren Lagann, and the uh, the end credit music are just these guys screaming "Love and Rock Peace" for like five minutes, and you're like, "What does this even mean?" It's about a bunch of <laughs> the show is about a bunch of robots trying to kill each other with like humans inside, and like, why are we singing about love, rock, and peace? <laughs> but then, like, you listen to the original version, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, this seems that with the with the uh, the subtitles mm-hmm. this seems to make more sense with the story so yeah. no yes that's absolutely like that again anime tragically anime yeah very cool well i have a few behind the scenes on this one let's go over real quick uh the band is called star waver uh this name is printed on the side of their starship in arabish the starship itself is called the rolling gales the stage that star waver performing on at the start of the short is built into the belly of the rolling gales i thought that was cool Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. When they had to get out of there really quick, they're just like, okay, put up the door. Yeah. So, you know, convenient. Mm-hmm. That's neat. I also feel like Star Waver is another, like, that maybe it makes more sense than the native. Because like, what, what? Like, I just yeah. think of a of a five-pointed star and one of the ar- arms is waving. You can't see me, but it's like a little it's, star and he's like, hello! It's the hello. Carl's Jr. star. Yeah, right? I was like, star waver? Like, mm. it's not yeah. quite right in my brain. It's yeah. it's almost too on the nose. Like, okay, it's a Star Wars show, star waver, yeah. all right. Mm. Yeah, no, they could they could have been, it could have been better. Yeah. Brian, you have the next behind the scenes. Yes. Uh, during the concert at the start, uh, there are several Rodians seen enjoying the show. And the one on the left of the screen is wearing the green one-piece outfit of the 1978 Greedo action figure produced by Kenner. Yeah. 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 Caught that. That. Again, yeah. love the little Easter eggs that they throw in mm-hmm. there just for fun. All right, Jenny, you have the next one. Jabba's bartender droid from Return of the Jedi can be spotted in the Moss Espa arena serving drinks to Boba Fett. Its white and red striped dome has been compared to a Coca-Cola can. Hmm. (laughs) All right, Joe. Okay, Boba Fett is accompanied by three of Jabba's skiff guards from Return of the Jedi. Woof, the Karas Sanicto, Green Nicto, uh, Pagetti Rook, the Weeque, and the human Velcan Tazeri. Yeah, I caught that when they and they fly back up and they're about Did to execute. Did you catch it? I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize they were the same characters. They're the same characters. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. The little alien in the audience who demands one more song is a Kajensa Nikto, which is a red Nikto. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, the female droid in the band is K three three four. Is all gold with one silver leg, just like C three PO. However, in the case of 3PO, only the bottom half of his right leg is silver, while Curdy's left leg is completely silver. Additionally, Curdy's midriff and the back of her head are a dark chrome instead of gold. Just thinking back to Star Wavers, and if you <laughs> pull the V-E, the two letters V-E out, it's Star Wars. I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's pretty much, like, spot on for... 
not changing anything. Just uh-huh. on the nose. <laughs> I'm still going to think about happy little stars waving at me. <laughs> this is my vision, and I'm going with it. That better be right. in season two of this show. <laughs> Hi. Hi, I'm y'all. Star I'm a star waver. waver. Well, that was another one of those... Uh, uh, original anime that I watched was Star Blazers. Oh, so I remember Ray. that. Ah, <laughs> I remember that in the seventies. Maybe, maybe they tried to call them the Star Blazers and had a copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> like, quick, quick! <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right, let's move on to the third episode. I think Jenny has a synopsis for this one. Cool. I like this one. Spoiler alert, Jenny likes it. (laughs) Episode three, The Twins, created by Studio Trigger. In the aftermath of the Empire's defeat, the remnants of the Imperial military began the destruction of two conjoined star destroyers that house a large super laser capable of destroying planets. Using Sith alchemy, they were able to create two Force-sensitive biological twins named Kare and Om, who they then train in the dark side of the force. The twins eventually become the leaders of the remnant and plan to use their super weapon to destroy the new Republic. However, Kare goes rogue on the day the weapon is supposed to be fired due to him having a vision of the future involving his sister's death. He also steals the large kyber crystal that powers the super weapon. Om confronts Kare outside of the Star Destroyers in outer space, and they duel. During the battle, the crystal is split in half, and Om uses a piece to power a metal exoskeleton. Using his X-Wing and the power of hyperspace, Kare is able to destroy Om's sliver of the crystal and the super laser. He crash lands on Tatooine and vows to rescue his sister from the dark side. There we go. All right, yeah, so let's talk about episode three. This was probably my favorite of the it's first so three. It's so, so the, good. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I love the first one. If it's Second the first like, three, it yeah. knocks it out of the park. <laughs> it's so good. No, I mean, it, it, please, Alison Brie. I mean, you had me at Alison Brie. <laughs> I love well, Alison then you have Brie. So Neil much. Patrick Harris. And Neil Patrick yes. Harris. But I mean, also, um, Studio Trigger. Here we go. Going to go into some anime. Uh, yes, lore please. Here. Please do. Uh, so, one of my, I just mentioned the show, Gurren Logan. My favorite anime, uh, Studio Trigger, was formed by uh, two of the head animators from Gainax who did Gurren Lagann. And it would be obvious if you're familiar with that show and then seeing the style of this one and how they're like uh-huh. they're fighting on the X-Wings. Like this is just like it's like a bonus episode of Gurren Lagann. It's beautiful. It's got so much motion to it. It's telling the story visually while giving you some good information just like between the characters with the dialogue. Mm-hmm. I loved this one. It was this close to being my favorite, but this is such a well done episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I th- uh, To me, and obviously you got to go in with, okay, they're breathing in space. He's on the <laughs> nose of an X-Wing. Say about that. And the robot has space. an oxygen mask. <laughs> I love that the robot goes out <laughs> yes. to get her. Yes. And he has an oxygen thing on. No, but I have uh, something to say about that. So we'll okay, get there. What is it? Okay. So. <laughs> I hated when Princess Leia got sucked out into space and then it's like, look, I can breathe in space. Now yeah. I don't have a problem with it because this episode now justifies it for me. I'm like, oh, that's just a, that's a force power. It's okay. a force thing. Got they it. Their, they can hold their breath. Yes. And I'm wondering if in a weird way that was like part of it. A little like, nod, yeah. A little nod, like, hey, yeah. it's not that weird, guys. It's not yeah. that weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I was I wasn't upset with it. I lo- this was like I said, my favorite episode yeah. after watching it. I just thought it was I'm like, okay, well, you know, they're fighting on the outside <laughs> of a Death Star or a sure. ship. And then when he's on the nose of the X wing, it goes through yeah. and he split and it with go- a lightsaber. Yeah, uh, yeah. The 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 largest. <laughs> yes. uh-huh. I'm like his skin would have been ripped off. His he would have been disintegrated. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It was also still awesome. there would be no sound visually. But yes, yeah. visually, visually it was awesome to, yeah. to watch very him do cool. that. So yeah, this is this is a very good anime style. Uh, yes. Or, uh, a representation of the anime style that I really like. They did a really yeah. good job. I mean, the colors and everything, it was, they did real good. I did like the introduction of a few new things. The uh, the Gemini class destroyer was one of them. That's something I haven't seen. That's but cool. one thing, and I don't know if you noticed it, but um, the droids in this, um, the one droid, is, both of them are D3PO and R2D2, because one of them is B2ON, which is D3PO. Just one character to the left. <laughs> yep. And then our duo. So, yep. I'm, I mean, very, very. Uh, I actually have a behind the scenes about that as well. But yes. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very, very similar. It was a nice little nod. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's hearkening back to, you know, the the whole Skywalker story with the twins. Like twins are very pr- prominent right. in the yes. mythology. Yeah. Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump on our behind the scenes. Brian, I think you have the first one here. I do. So um, for the sound effect of Am's lightsabers held by several mechanical arms, sound designer David W. Collins combined those of General Grievous' multiple lightsabers with that of Kylo Ren's unstable blade. I feel like I heard that because Kylo Ren's Mm -hmm. unstable blade, that's such Mm -hmm. a... So distinctive, distinctive yeah. and yeah. something yeah. I really like. I actually talk about it. I, I talk about Star Wars in some of my classes about like transmedia and telling a story across mm-hmm. like different platforms and time periods. And I was always saying like something I really always liked about the introduction of Kylo Ren was that whole yeah unstable lightsaber. I thought it's yes. just like that works yeah. so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's another behind the scenes. Uh, Brian kind of mentioned this one. Uh, the twin Star Destroyer is a Gemini class ship, keeping with the theme of twins. Mm-hmm. The astromech droid is designated as R Duo, and the protocol droid is named B2ON. The stormtroopers are also identified as T stormtroopers for twins. I didn't catch That's that. a lot of little details. Oh, yeah. 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 Little things. I definitely noticed the ship being like, wait, that's, why is it, oh, yeah. why are they, co- oh. Well, together. Yeah. It was such a cool idea. Of, yeah. It was, like a, it was like a Death Star because yeah. it had a big, huge, you know, thing in the middle that was going to be a planet killer. Yeah. It was using mm-hmm. a giant kyber crystal like the Death Stars. Yeah. But it was the two twins that activated that. Yep. The sure. whole idea was just, that was so good. Like so, Jenny said, like that's kind of an ongoing theme with Star Wars is duality. Duality, and, yep. And it's it's put on like just glorious display in this episode. And it's so funny because they really they they skirt that line where it could almost be too much, yeah, but it isn't. Like they stay yeah. just this side of it mm-hmm. uh, where it it still plays out perfectly. Um, Next to TIE fighters, a TIE interceptor, and a TIE bomber seen inside the hangar of the Gemini-class Star Destroyer, there are also rebel spaceships such as the X-Wing, A-Wing, B-Wing, U-Wing, Y-Wing, and even Clone War-era fighters such as the Jedi Interceptor and a V-Wing. What I liked the most is when they pulled out the walkers on the, yeah. on the yeah. ship. I was like, yeah. 
What are they doing there? <laughs> what are they doing here? <laughs> yeah, they threw everything into that hangar. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Kind of vessel. Uh, all right, Jenny, I think you have the last one yeah. here. Darksiders are shown to be responsible for the birth of the twins. The robes and wrappings they wear resemble those worn by the Sith cultists on Exegol in Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, 2019. The aesthetic of the technology they use is also similar to those used on Exegol. A nice little twist. Yeah. I love that they pulled from everything. That they really had no... They really did. They went, they're like, you know, let's go. And like Joe said, it's almost too much, but not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, With this story, I actually thought that as I was watching it, I thought, man, this is almost told as an alternate reality where Luke and Leia... Oh, the yes. dark side. Yes. yes. Yeah. For very, sure. I, mean, I got a lot of that vibe. They yeah. definitely played on that. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. You know, just one last thing. You know you know what would have been too too much? Ewoks. That <laughs> would have been yeah. too, one step too far. That was it. That's where you got <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> Coming season two, Ewoks and waving stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. Uh, why don't you give us episode four? Yeah, episode four, The Village Bride, created by Kinema Citrus. Years after the great Jedi purge, a fallen Jedi named F is drawn to a remote planet by an explorer named Valko. Valko explains that bandit raiders have reprogrammed old Separatist battle droids and are holding a village hostage. The village chief's daughter, Haru, and her fiancé, Asu, intend to surrender to the bandits as collateral the following morning while Haru's sister, Saku, wants to fight the bandits. The next morning, the bandits reveal that they have captured Saku and attempt to execute her. But F and Valgo intervene and kill all of the bandits. F then departs the planet. Very cool. Uh, Mm. Overall thoughts on this episode. I enjoyed this. It was different. Music was incredible. This is probably one of my favorite musically Yes. Uh, I thought they did an amazing job. And it was very mystical and very, you know, because the planet's alive. Right. You're seeing memories of a planet. And it was confusing at first when I watched. I watched this like two or three times just so I could (laughs) understand what was going on. I love like the second half is uh, amazing. Once the girl gets involved and, Mm -hmm. you know, that was good. But at the beginning, I'm like, what the heck is he's carrying this girl up? Why is he carrying her? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That has to be heavy. and he's climbing with her on his back and i was like i don't understand and then they you know they touch the thing and i was like i am really confused the beginning of this episode gave off the strongest studio ghibli vibes (laughs) so wonderful and yeah. obviously, you guys don't have any sense of romance because I clearly was like, well, based on <laughs> based on the title, I was like, oh, this is a culture where the woman is so treasured she can't put her feet on the ground, and that, and yeah. then he's like, oh, we can't have your feet touch. The, I was like, see, see, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> By the way, I I loved their relationship. Yes, mm-hmm. the fact yeah. that he was allowing her to be because you know you know that whole like culture of like. He was carrying her in the beginning, but it was clear he wasn't doing it to put her down in any way. And no. that, like he understood right. she was, was strong he was, and yeah. he understood that she was making the sacrifice. And you could yep. see him struggling with it at points. Yeah. But he gave her the leeway to like 
be the strong one and make that decision, even though he mm-hmm. probably hated it. Yeah, I, I was going to say something very similar, Jenny, is that mm-hmm. this episode, um, you know, you have the, uh, multiple styles of anime, but some are just like straight romances. Mm-hmm. And this one was very similar to that vibe, to that feeling of respect. Uh, nice. um, and and it's, it's a lot different than what we see in, you know, uh, American-made you know, hmm. I, I wouldn't even call them a romance. I mean, it's it's more of a hookup over here in the U.S. But there's a lot of respect uh, mm. on that on that uh, episode. Yeah, yeah. No, it was beautifully done. I just want to uh, introduce Haley. She, uh, Haley. Coming late Haley. to the party. She, the, the Empire up, tried to stop her, but she got around the blockade and she <laughs> joined us. So yay! Yeah, uh, we are on episode four, so you haven't really missed much. Um, why don't you give us your thoughts on episode four well i was actually yeah i was thinking about that one um i was actually gonna echo the studio ghibli like feel of it um especially in the beginning and the opening and just the overall art style Mm -hmm. um was really interesting that one was not like in my top like blown away but i i did still think it was an interesting story and um the the characters i also this is a this is a random like fashion point of view the um the shoes in this one are (laughs) i have to say something about these star wars visions there's several sith and jedi that like they come off the ship and there's like a reveal of a wardrobe like it's a fashion show and there's Mm -hmm. like insane boots and heels and shoes Mm -hmm. that are shown and it's very anime, and I always find that really amusing because I'm like, so you can tell Haley's a cosplayer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's checking out all the. How can I? She's figure out how she can do these. But I'm like, how do they lightsaber battle in those shoes? Like, I can't <laughs> that's that's like a, a Sith or Jedi skill. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's all the Force. Yeah, that's right. In the last episode, didn't the uh, didn't Am um, like try to kick Kare with like lightsaber heels or something? Like, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, she had sabers in her heels. <laughs> they, 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 came, they came out of everywhere. Wherever she needed to pop it's out, crazy. they would pop out. Yeah. And when you look at some of the like shots on like IMDb of each of these episodes, but like the Village Bride, there's like a clear shot of these crazy space shoes. Yeah. Like stepping out into the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a major <laughs> fashion component to some of these, which I think goes yeah. with the whole like anime um, and anime culture, which I I appreciate. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. definitely yeah. noticed that in this one, the shot of the shoes where she like. They went burp, burp, and then she went yeah. burp, oh, super yeah. fast. Yeah. Run through I was the like, cabin. "Wow, dang!" Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, "Okay, that's those are some rocking shoes." Fashion <laughs> and function, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, yeah. I could yeah. get down with that. Fashion yeah. and function. Um, before we go to behind the scenes, Haley, I want to go over episodes one, two, and three, just really quick. Oh, okay. Episode one, the duel. What did you think? The duel was one of my favorites. I think what I loved artistically, I loved the grayscale black and white and i love mm-hmm. how important the color the visual of the lightsabers and then that that awesome i love a good like the plot twist the su- surprise that he's a sith he's a that sith. hunts mm-hmm. or he's an yeah. you know he's an ex-sith what you know we that talked hunts, about that as well yeah hunts yeah. other sith and um yeah. i i thought that was visually that was really amazing cool i that one's definitely in my that's like my top the second one was the concert, yes. I recall. Yeah, so 
Rhapsody. That one was um that one was kind of fun. That was kind of silly. Yeah. Um I remember after watching the first one, <laughs> it was a little bit like Yep, you're you're mimicking what we all said. <laughs> yeah, these actually, the best. You guys, I'm with the yeah. best of the best. So like I'm just trying <laughs> to keep up. Um yep. yeah, I was kinda like, okay, this one feels like I it watched the fine. first one and my toddler yeah. would watch the second one. Like the second one was like <laughs> It's like Spidey yeah. and Friends versus Spider, you know, like the, yeah. 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 Um, and then the third one. Oh, the, the third one. What? What I? What I was? I think the third one was really cool. Was just the um, voice actors that were in the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we talked about them as well. Yeah, that Neil, one Neil was Patrick and yeah, yeah and uh, it's Brie, right? Oh, wait, yes. no, it's yeah, it's Allison Brie. Yep, Allison Brie. Yeah. Um, that was a the you know like the brothers the twin battle I thought was cool. Um, that one was, uh, I was thinking more about the visual, like the costumes and the shoe thing I mentioned earlier. I thought about that with that episode and, um, Mm -hmm. that one I wasn't, um, I wasn't blown away, but it did have a very, like the anime fight sequence. It was very visual. I feel like that one was more visual than story. Yeah. And then... Okay, I caught up. Cool. Wow, I did Thank it. Thank you. Yay, I'll caught that. Thank you. Wow. All right. <laughs> Welcome. That was All right, the let's go ahead. Spark Notes version of yes, everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's go ahead and do some behind the scenes. I think Joe has the first one. Here. Sure. Uh, a member of the alien species called the Moin is present in the gathering in the village. The species was based on a sketch by Ralph McQuarrie of a bounty hunter created for Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. 1980, and later further developed as a character and used in Star Wars Rebels The Call, 2016, and Star Wars The Clone Wars Gone with a Trace, 2020. The name of the species is derived from voice actor Bobby Moynihan, who also voiced a character in Star Wars Visions Tatooine Rhapsody, 2021. I thought that was Bobby. Mm -hmm. I actually used to work with Bobby when I worked at the UCB. He's like, I'm so happy to see like where he's progress because yeah. he's such a nice person yeah, yeah. Oh, it's nice when good things happen to nice people yeah so i was like oh he got a star wars character named after him yay <laughs> a race not even a, a character race. oh like a, a whole race. yeah yeah a whole yeah, yeah that's amazing that's, awesome. that's a big deal the yeah. moin the moin <laughs> all right jenny you have the next all right the villagers utilize the same type of farming droids as those seen on Sorgan in The Mandalorian Chapter 4, Sanctuary 2019. Very cool. <laughs> this short specifically deals with remnants after Order 66 ends the Clone War. At the end, the lead character takes off in a Z-95 Headhunter, a.k.a. the forerunner to the X-Wing. Very cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is really cool. Yeah. Brian has a last one. Yep. The ships used by the Raiders is an XS stock freighter, the YT predecessor flown by the smuggler class in Star Wars, The Old Republic. I have one of those. (laughs) 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 My smuggler character in Star Wars, The Old Republic. I absolutely have that. I I recognize that. I know, right? Are you guys impressed? Uh (laughs) (laughs) The best of the best in this group. Wow. Oh there God. there was something that happened at the end of this episode that really uh-huh. bumped me. And I'm like, how is that possible? So I forget his name. The the explorer that invited her to the planet. Valco? Falcor? Valcor? Falcor. Falcor. Dragon. And so that was a weird ending. They brought up a weird luck dragon. No, when he takes off his helmet and older there's that guy. cool, yeah, the older guy, and he takes off his helmet and it like 
he throws it down and then it blows up the whole ship. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And then like two minutes, well, whenever the fight was over, he had the helmet back. And I was yeah. like, dang, that thing <laughs> blew up and he, he got it back. Or does yeah. he just have like a supply of helmets? Spares. Yeah, yeah is it a part. is it a plot hole or is it like so good that it can go back again? Yeah, it that's destroyed like... a ginormous ship yeah. and yeah. then came out like just fine. And he was wearing he just it. Had, he again. has multiples of them. And yeah, I, yeah. That's what that was my guess. But I'm like, then where was he storing them anyway? Yes, yes. That's no, what I, I want to see. Episode two: the mystery of the helmet. You've, you've ruined the whole see, episode for me now. That's, it's part of the, Jenny, it's part of the wardrobe thing. It's like the shoes, you go. the helmet. Like there they are go. next oh, yeah. level with some of this stuff. Wow! Yeah. Nice. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on to episode five. Um, <laughs> I will say this is my favorite episode. <laughs> Absolutely the best uh, one. This, this is my favorite, and I think this is the one that deserves the series. Oh my god, yeah. we gotta talk about this. We'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about that after. You're after, like sorry. you're like put, I'm you're jumping put ahead. Your I'm so excited for this one. Table, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm so glad I got um, in in time. I was like, oh, I don't want to yes. miss episode five. So Haley, if you can give us the uh the, the synopsis for episode five, that'd be great. Episode five, the ninth Jedi created by production IG. Many generations after the Jedi Order became mostly extinct, Margrave Juro, the Jedi ruler of the planet High Islan, invites seven masterless Jedi to his aerial temple in order to receive lightsabers, whose design has been lost to time. Juro's droid gifts the first lightsaber to a young Jedi named Ethan, the youngest of the seven, as proof promising the other Jedi that they will receive theirs once they are completed. On the planet's surface, hunters working for the Sith capture the sabersmith La Zima. La Zima's daughter, Kara, who is also Force-sensitive, escapes with the finished lightsabers, including one for herself, and presents them to the Jedi. However, the six Jedi accompanying Ethan reveal themselves as Sith imposters who killed the Jedi invited by Juro and came posing as them in order to murder Juro as well. Juro, who reveals himself to have been disguised as his droid all along, Ethan and Kara fight back and kill five of the Sith, but spare the six. Homan, who is revealed to be an old friend of Juro's and the only survivor of the six masterless Jedi the Sith killed that had been corrupted to the dark side, but has now returned to the light. Ethan, Kara, and Homan join Juro's new Jedi Order and prepare to rescue La Zima, who is being held on a Sith-controlled planet. There we go. So. Wow, it's a lot. Let's talk about this episode. A lot of us obviously said this was our favorite. There's so much going on. There's so many great <laughs> yeah. elements to this episode. Uh, like, you've got this, like, this mystery that's going on. You don't even know it's a mystery yeah. until, like, it starts to, like, it reveals itself. And they give you those little pieces of information early on where he's like, yes, you know, I've given each lightsaber kind of reads the force sensitivity of whoever uses it. And the oh, color responds to who they are. Love and it. it's like, yep. it's almost a throwaway line until it comes back. And you're like, mm -hmm. look at these guys with the red lightsabers. Like, this yeah. is crazy. And what's awesome about this episode is 
just the, the way it opens. And it's basically telling you that your perspective is about to get rocked because you mm. see like this, it's that, that sky, that palace in the mm. sky mm-hmm. and like the perspective has to change to fit like where it is visually. They do so much to get you prepared for this amazing story that plays. Mm-hmm. Out. Yeah. Yeah. This, this to me felt the most star Wars yeah. and that it yeah. could actually happen. This mm-hmm. could be thousands of years after the Skywalker saga, you know, and I feel like, it could be real. I mean, they if any of this, these were going to turn into Star Wars, this is the one I want them to make yep. official canon. Oh, absolutely. Either make it official or have it become its own series. Yes. Yeah. We can't, yeah. They can't leave us with that cliffhanger. <clears throat> they cannot. They definitely set this up yes, to be. 100%. Yeah. And it was yeah. the one with the longest running time. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like 22 minutes, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Did it feel longer? Than, it didn't feel no. longer than the others. Because it's yeah. so engaging it moves and so, so well. it moved, yeah. Oh god, it's so good. I like the fact that they introduced several new things, but they all absolutely feel Star Wars. Like the the different um, lightsabers, and I want to say that in this epi- it was this episode where we saw um, I don't know the wrist guard. I think there was a green lightsaber mm-hmm. that had like a little wrist guard on it that we haven't mm-hmm. seen before, and uh, the. It, you know, when um, Haley had read it about the uh, the daughter being force sensitive, yeah, I don't think she was force sensitive. I mean, not the way she handled it later in the episode. She did a really good job. Yeah, <laughs> a lot more yeah. than just sensitive. But um, yeah, I like having those tunable lightsabers. I like the fact that they had the uh, saber smith mm-hmm. crafting uh-huh. them. Yes. So so a lot of different um, just little nuances that are completely believable within the Star Wars universe. Yes. Yeah. What what they did was they they gave you a great compre- like a comprehensive story on its own with a great cliffhanger but so much world building that yes. that made everything just feel even that it gave everything just a little bit more gravity which like the other episodes up to this point and maybe even after did not they didn't mm-hmm. put yeah. that mm-hmm. work in and maybe they felt like they didn't need to but it it pays off in this one yeah and i also like the layers of the tone because it wasn't mm-hmm. all just serious 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 because then you have this random yeah. droid who's well, yeah, the droid, I guess, yeah getting high on tea oh my god and like when he's yeah. walking really slow and they just mm-hmm. they give that moment to play out where yeah. she's just like, oh, my God, move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like Joe said, there's there's so much so much information in a 22-minute. Yeah. They got a lot in there. Yeah. I mean, the narration at the beginning alone, I loved. I was in love from the moment they started talking about, you know, thousands of years ago. And mm-hmm. that, to me, felt – I mean, I, if it was a scroll, I would have flipped out. Yes. But – because you know, that's what it, it was. A, it was it was an it was. homage to that, but yes. done in yeah. its own way. And I yes. thought that was so well done. So yes, yeah, so so well done. And they got so much information because not a lot really happens other than the creation of the new Jedi Order, which is huge. Right, which is huge. But yeah, it's not a ton of things. We're at the very tail end of him making lightsabers. They give them to the new people. They kill the Sis, and that's it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, well, so, it's, it's it starts with a gathering of the Jedi. And yes, like yeah. Joe said, I think the the where this episode really went fantastic for me was when the lightsabers were activated. And then mm-hmm. at that same point, when we see a lot of red, it made me connect with the other visions of yeah. 
that storyline of the Sith did try to rise to power, but then there was a bunch of infighting. And I can see that in multiple episodes mm-hmm. within the visions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, they're really pulling on a, I guess, a portion of this history with, I, I don't know if you want to call it the Sith Wars or what it would be, but it, it, it was really good. Very well yeah. done. Yeah, and I love the fact that if you go back and rewatch it, you're watching because you know they when when he hands the saber, he hands it to one of the Siths at first, but the guy doesn't turn it on. He gives it right, to Ethan. gives it to Ethan. Ethan mm-hmm. turns it on, and then you're like, oh wow, if, you know, wonder what would happen if he would. Yeah, he purposely he did that. Of course he, he did, did. on purpose. Oh yeah, and you get reaction don't... shots from the other characters that are kind of eyeing yeah. mm-hmm. him, and you're led to believe that they're just eyeing the lightsaber, like, ooh, that's kind of a cool lightsaber, but they're all registering like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, at that time, so lightsabers don't activate to the color of at least not that we know of. Unless right. in this in this history, they did do that, so they mm-hmm. knew if they turned it on, it was going to be red. But at that time, they didn't. The guy, the, the sabersmith, says, "Oh, I engineered these cryber crystals, yep. so you know they'll be the color of the Jedi." Which, uh, which again, it goes to there's it's, it's canon, but you know, Mace Windu, Mace Windu mm-hmm. is purple lightsaber because yep. he teeters on. Good and bad. Yeah, you know, he's a. It's a military. Well, color. and, and so, also Kylo Ren's lightsaber, which yeah. is all. It, it is red, but it's yeah. all. It's, like it's reflecting the conflict that's yeah. in within yeah. himself. Yeah. Like I've always yeah. loved that. And yeah. at first, when she turned hers on, I was like, "Why is it? Is that a black saber?" And I got oh, off. Yes. Yeah. Like, but then he explained that how that works. Yes, because yeah. because she's so cool. learning to use it. I, mm-hmm. And I love that. I yeah yeah. I was just going to say Mara Jade is another character who has a purple lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So there's some well. significance okay. with that color in the Emperor's hand. Yeah, your alliance of mm-hmm. um, balance. Yeah, but I love the fact that it's hit the, I don't remember the guy's name. I think we wrote, we have it written down here. Uh, but the one who had the red saber and it turns purple as he's fighting. And, you know, he's like, the Sith overwhelmed him. And I love the fact Holman. that. It, Holman. Yeah. Holman, yeah. Holman. Moment. Yeah, I love that little yeah. like, little bit of touch. You know, and mm-hmm. you don't catch it right away because it happens several scenes before the, yeah. it's brought to the attention. So yeah. if, you're, if you're not really paying attention, you're like, wait, wait, wait. He has a purple lightsaber now. Mm-hmm. You know, same with the, same with cars turning green. Yeah, you know, yeah. she's in the middle of the battle, and all of a sudden, then they yeah. do a close up of it, and it like really vibrates green. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much great development that goes on in this. And again, like to take this opportunity to take Star Wars and kind of give it like a Far East mentality uh, and approach, but also like with this one specifically, like it's like they decided also to dive into Agatha Christie and some of that (laughs) into this episode, which was just such, such a welcome change. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, the introduction of the character, the Margrave. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of discussion about the Margrave. We're here to see well, the Margrave, and all I is know about Margrave. Blah blah blah. You know, exactly. And there's a he lot has of red eyes. Up. He looks yeah. evil. <laughs> yeah, you know? I thought they did a really good job introducing that character and kind uh-huh. of getting great. us to guess. Yeah. Oh, I, d- I just wanted to add also, um, and that the lightsabers was a, of course a major component to this, the storyline and just the central idea of this episode. But mm-hmm. there's so much nostalgia and just like the chase yeah like yeah basically a version of speeder bikes and it just made me think of like return of the jedi and just like there's so many visual moments in this episode where i'm like 
thinking of you know classic star wars and yeah. it yeah. brought that nostalgia to me and it just it was just sitting there like wow this is really incredible mm-hmm. yeah Haley, i think that that was one of the reasons i say that i don't think she was force sensitive she was actually very strong in the force because yeah that scene she's flying backwards on a speeder <laughs> right in the forest and yeah. in, you have it's imperial scouts yeah. who are crashing into trees and yeah. here she is doing a backwards wielding yeah. her lightsaber. The first time yeah. I watched it, I thought maybe her droid was driving it, but it was on this second That's viewing I thought, that I was like, yeah. no, she's still at the controls of this thing. Yeah, she's yeah. a super talented, um, you know, yeah. young Jedi character we want to see in yeah. a full series. Uh, <laughs> I agree. And I that's think, something that yes. Visions yeah. has done well is giving us very strong female characters mm-hmm. without, oh, yes. it, without it coming across. And I know it's stupid for someone like me to be saying that but it didn't feel pandering like it, mm. it felt like these are legit characters that were developed and and it wasn't done because it was supposed to be some like quota that they, they were trying to fill sure. it was mm-hmm. it was done in earnest and it was it was really great yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely all right uh, i couldn't find many behind the scenes but i have two so brian why don't you uh, do the first one here? okay uh, according to executive producer josh rhymes two different ideas were pitched to take place in the same world. By combining them into one story, it became the longest of the original shorts, like we said, at 22 minutes. Nice. In other Star Wars media, Jedi Master Mace Windu's fighting style is called Form 7, which skirts the gray area between the light side and dark side, resulting in an aggressive fighting style. This is the canon explanation for Mace Windu's purple lightsaber. Light side mixed with dark side equals blue mixed with red. In Episode 5, The Ninth Jedi, a character is shown to be easily swayed by both the light side and dark side, and the character's lightsaber becomes purple. All right, well, we kind of talked about this. There it is. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All right, cool. Yeah, so definitely, this is definitely my favorite. Oh, for sure. 100%. Easily. Brian and Haley, no? I think Ronan was my favorite. I think Episode 1 was my absolute favorite. However, this has so much... um, so so much legs. We could. I, I want this to be carried forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, this one was definitely my favorite overall. Number one, hands okay. down. I also didn't realize the 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 father. The I believe it's the fa- was the father. The Jedi um, Sabersmith was uh, the lead actor in Shang Chi. Simu Liu. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is so cool. Which he did this, I guess. Before well, I'm, now I'm trying to remember. Or did this come out? No, no, this came out after, right? But I think yeah, they but produced they, it before. They, yeah, yeah, they, they produced record, it a while. Yeah, years oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. So this takes is a while. another big thing he did before he even, yeah, so. It became, that's, that's cool. That's, yeah, another reason Very to love it. cool. Mm-hmm. All right, I hope you enjoyed that roundtable discussion. As I said, we were, we're all huge Star Wars fans, and some of us really enjoyed anime. So I just think it was a really fun, fun discussion on episodes one through five as i mentioned previously we will be discussing episodes six through nine on the next episode of the geek roundtable so before i go i want to thank my co-host brian Haley, jenny and joe and of course i want to thank my amazing listeners for coming back each month and joining us for our roundtable discussion until next time guys take care i want to take a moment and thank my supporters on patreon I really do appreciate your monthly donations. It helps counter some of the costs 
that come with producing podcasts each month. So I really do appreciate your support. If you guys want to help me out and be a monthly donator or just give a contribution one time for one month, you can find me on Patreon. Just look up Geeky Fanboy Productions and I would really appreciate it. Thanks again, guys. That was a scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the newcomers podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the newcomer's podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Attention, attention. Are you a fan of MASH, one of the most groundbreaking television series in history? Then take a listen to the MASH 4077 podcast, where hosts discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. So come and find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 podcast or online at www.mash4077podcast.com. The Geek Roundtable Podcast is a Geeky Fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0, United States license, all rights reserved.